when the praises go up, oh, God's glory comes down. Oh, in the midst of our praise, sweet victory is found. Oh, heaven will hear, oh, and echo the sound. Oh, when the praises go up, for the words I'm sorry if you've lost your joy and you're needing strength whatever you feel whatever you think praise Jesus out loud until you're no longer bound oh cause when the praises go Oh, God's glory comes down. Oh, when the praises go. 
child of God, there's some things that we must do. Pray every day and fast and read the Bible too. There's a place where we can go, our spirits to renew. Every time the church doors open, we ought to walk on through. Walk on through. Walk on through and feel the blessings of the Lord. Walk on through. Walk on through and learn about God's word. Walk on through. Walk on through and when those pearly gates are open, the saints of God can walk on through. Walk on through. Walk on through and feel the blessings of the Lord. Walk on through. Walk on through and learn about God's word. Walk on through. Walk on through and when those pearly gates are open, the saints of God can walk on through. Jesus was preaching, you know the house was full, all the doors were blocked. I really was torn between some of them I knew or some of them were you. But you guys are my lifelong family. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we're walking together. And, and so this time saying Amen. some of them are you. And if you plan on being there with me, then you are you. One night while I was dreaming, that heavenly city came in view. There were so many people there, some of them were you. Then came the man with nail-scarred hands, on a cloud he stepped onto. He said, thy good and faithful servant, it's time to walk on through. Walk on through and feel the blessings of the Lord. Walk on through. Walk on through and learn about God's word. Walk on through. Walk on through and when those pearly gates are open, the saints of God can walk on through. Are you past the point of is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus.
glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm covered by the blood of Calvary.
is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all and all jesus paid it all all to him i owe I just want to 
I feel rushed. I feel like everybody wants to get out of here. I mean, half of them already went in the back. I don't know what's going on back there, but it must be fun. But, you know, I, I pray that you give me time to deliver what God's laid upon my heart. Got a little thing for us to look at. I got a dollar twenty-five right here in my hand right now. Now, who here within this church, if I offered to give this dollar twenty-five unto you, you would take it? Johnny, I know Johnny's hand go up real quick. I know Johnny's hand would go up real quick. Just Johnny? Okay, a bunch of you. But now let me lay the conditions upon this $1.25 for your acceptance. I require a whole day's labor from you to get this. Johnny hit his head. <laughs> I need you to work for at least 8 to 12 hours at my home next week. Tammy Mulch is going to be coming about in March. Tammy and Ray live across the street from us, and we live across the street. Whenever all that big load of mulch shows up, we all cringe and and fret and fear. Tammy and Ray embarrass us half the time because all they do is work and we feel lazy. 
But so if I offer you this dollar twenty-five for a full day's of labor, who here will take it? Oh, we got Marsha. We got a couple that would, but most would not because we are speaking from a place of privilege. Do you realize in some countries in the world this is a day's wage, a full day's wage? Now, some of you probably make tenfold that per hour, maybe even a hundredfold per hour. We know that the football tickets they're talking about this weekend are going for several thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. But when we speak from a place of privilege, the value of this money is not worth us to say yes. It's not worth it. It costs too much. We don't want to do that much work. We don't want to put that much forward. We don't want to give that much effort to accept that which has been offered. Is it making sense yet? There's been an offering that has gone on to us today. I'll leave the $1.25 up here, whoever wants to come up later. <laughs> There's been an offering made unto us this morning of Jesus. And he's been offered unto you as a free gift. But many of you that to accept him is not worth the cost that it would take for me to get the benefit of the reward. I don't want it. It will require too much. It needs too much of me. It requires far too much of me. It would require me to give more than I'm willing to give to accept for that which is offered. We speak from a place of privilege. We've been blessed. We've been overwhelmingly blessed. We've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ sung this morning in a magnificent, beautiful way. So powerful. So anointed. We've had the opportunity to sit in a wonderful building this morning. We've heard great Sunday school teaching. We've heard, as I said, great singing. And we're anticipating a great meal in the back. We've received all these wonderful things, but from our place of privilege, we overlooked them. But there's some that would starve just to hear what we've heard this morning. Some would long so much just to hear the good news that has been presented unto them like we've been presented the good news this morning. But yet, from our place of privilege, we don't hear it. All your life, you've heard gospel music sung unto you. You've heard the word of God preached unto you, but it's gone in the proverbial one ear and out the other because you think it's always going to be there. And from your place of privilege, it's not worth you giving up this to accept this. The cost is too much. It requires too much. It asks of me too much. And that reminds me of a story in the book of Matthew, chapter 11. And I talk pretty fast, so we might get done. I don't know what time the food's getting here, but this is the food you're getting right now. That's your dessert. In Matthew 11, the writer in this passage speaks unto those that are in a position of privilege, but they did not hear the message. And I want us to begin to read in verse number, uh, I believe it's verse number 16. But what, whereunto shall I liken this generation? We're in Matthew 11, starting at verse 16. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the market, and
and calling out to their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, sung unto you, but we have not even seen you yet dance. We have mourned, but yet you have not lamented. You have not felt a sorrow. You have not felt what us old folks talk about, a conviction deep within for the life that you are now living. I am not here to condemn or to cast down or to put away. But I tell you, Jesus has been offered this morning. He has been offered through the, every song, through every testimony, through everything that has been done. Sister Sue talked about a theme. The Spirit of God knows what He's doing, when He's doing, what He's doing, and how He's doing. And this morning, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and ask Him to come into your life, the gospel today has been prepared just for you. You have come into a church this morning and heard the message go out unto you that God loves you, cares for you, desires to have a relationship with you, and everything that has been done today has been done for you and you alone. Think about that. But yet your position of privilege ignores the gospel message. Your position of privilege doesn't allow you to hear it. I don't want to hear that stuff. I, I, I'm going to use him, your word. I, I don't want to go over to my dad's house because all he ever talks about is Jesus. I don't want to be around that group of people because all they ever do is talk about how much God loves them and how he's done a work in their life. I, I don't want to go to Bobby's class because all he talks about is Jesus. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be around that. Jesus has become an affront to you and you don't want to hear the message because quite frankly you're speaking from your position of privilege. You think God just loves you so much he's always going to call upon you. God just loves you so much he just want, He can't wait for you to come unto him. You are so precious to him we have been taught in this generation. You are so valuable to him. Yes, God loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know that. But I will tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is a point and there is a time when God's spirit will no longer deal with you. There is a point and a time where God will say, no more. No more shall I call upon your heartstrings and tell you that I want you within my life, that I love you so much. No more will I come to that pew. Will I come to that altar? Will I come to that place where you are and pull on those heartstrings and tell you how much I mean, you mean to me, and I gave my life for you? You will quench the Spirit. Because you know what? There's no sorrow within your heart. In that passage, Sister Jeannie, it talks about a generation of Corazon and Tyre that he spoke unto. And he says, I've spoken unto you. I've showed you the miracles I've done. I've shown you the works that I've done. And only if you would have heard and listened unto these words, your life would have been changed. If Sodom and Gomorrah would have heard these things, they would have gotten saved and redeemed, but yet they turned a deaf ear, and today they are lost. And they've suffered damnation. Because they didn't sorrow in their heart. They didn't lament within their spirit. You know what it means to lament? To mourn and to cry and to be sorry and say, not but God, I am so sorry for the life that I've lived. 
I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. I'm so sorry for ignoring you when you called upon my heartstrings. I'm so sorry when you touched my mom that I never praised you for that. I'm so sorry when you healed my loved one that I never gave you thanks for that. I'm so sorry that when I was in a situation of danger, you intervened and saved me from that danger. We don't have sorrow for anything anymore. We don't mourn over anything. In fact, we rejoice over our unrighteousness. We parade it around and we put it on the stage and we put it in our lives and we promote it. We promote unrighteousness. There was a point in a time when there was a sorrow for unrighteousness. There was a sorrow for doing the things that the church has now embraced. Sister Sue, I love the quote, Sue. You're, I don't know if you're back there getting ready. You can hear it over the speakers. But God had prepared that today for such a time as this. Have you ever heard the other saying that you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good? You ever heard that? Well, I like to say this. You're so earthly good, you're no heavenly good. The church is so worldly today. We are. I mean, I know social media is a great thing, and I realize that it allows some people to connect and some people to do this thing. But let me give you a little bit of caution. Y'all better watch what you're putting on there and where you're hanging out and what you're doing. It bur I don't understand the Christianity that has lived within this generation. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. That's as far as I'm going to go. I, could, I just don't get it. It tells us in the word of God that there was no sorrow for them. They did not lament. They did not mourn over their unrighteousness in this passage. And he says because of lack of lament, lamentation, because of not calling out to him, that they would suffer, that the message of the kingdom of heaven had been gone out unto them, but they did not sorrow, but rather they reveled in their lostness and they reveled in their sin. I mean, some of us are living in the hog pen down there and we're celebrating that life. Come on. You weren't destined for the hog pen. You weren't destined for that lost condition. You weren't destined to be what you are. You are God's child created in his holy image and that's what you're destined to be. And that's all Jesus wants to do. He doesn't want to make you this or that. He just wants to make you the best you you have ever been and ever could be and ever would be. He wants to come into your life, remove the fear, remove that song. I don't know all the words they sang, but, you know, he wants to, the, 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 I love the words of the last song that they sang. That preached the whole message that April and, and Betty and all them did. He wants to be those things unto you. God had judged unrighteousness through Israel. He had presented unto them the possibility for life through all of their darkness and despair and destruction and all the things that they had gone through. He had offered them life, but they chose unrighteousness. And it tells us in the Matthew 5, 4, that they which mourn and are burdened and sorrowful for the unrighteousness or the sin. It tells you in Matthew 5, 4, what shall they be? Comforted. They shall be comforted. Are you tired? I mean, let's get real. Are you tired? I mean, honestly, are you just tired? 
the battle. I, like Sue said, you know, I, I, I wish that quote was up. I mean, it was great at what that said. It kind of summarizes the whole thing. But aren't you tired? Tired of living the life you're living when you know you should be living better? You're tired of being carnal? You're tired of being worldly? I, I want to tell you something. There's been a call that has gone out consistently before gospel assembly unto the lost to repent and come unto Jesus. And that action has not taken place. And it's beginning to make me think maybe there's some that are claiming to be saved and need to live right. We often look at the lost and say they need to get straightened up. We were blessed this past week to have 20-something men in our men's group. 20 guys showed up really a good time and we talked about all the wonderful things that God done and, 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 and we talked about all the things that he wants to do and all the things he's trying to do and we talked about how he wants to work in us and work through us and how he calls out to us but we also realized that you know we need to get more in one accord with what the spirit is drawing us to do not fight against him the whole time not rebel against what God's trying to do. Today, the Lord is calling out to you that you're not living how you know you should live. I don't have to preach it to you. I don't have to tell it to you. You know. To him that knoweth to do good and do it not, to him it is what? You know the message. But they lament it not. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 7.10, for godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow as the world does, and they die. I'm paraphrasing that verse. Godly sorrow leads unto repentance. And I like the quote from your dad, Sister Scott, or I stole it. I'm going to keep it. We're all going to use it. Repentance wants to be your friend. Bring you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we look at it as an affront and a curse. Jesus, don't talk to me. Jesus, don't bother me. Jesus, don't mess with me. I'm just here to have a good time today. I'm here to have food. I want to I say, I want to watch the football game tonight. I want to do all these things. I don't want to hear this conviction stuff. I don't want you messing with me. I don't want you bothering me. I don't want you making me feel guilty. Let me tell you something. No one can make you feel what you already aren't. I can't make you feel one way but if that spirit of God is dealing with it and convicting and coming down and telling you that you're not living right God's trying to tell you something I'm not that talented I'm not that great I'm not that much of a wordsmith I'm not that knowledgeable but the spirit of God knows exactly where to come and deal and walk and talk and walk through every pew every person, every aisle, everything coming to you and say yeah I'm talking to you but you know the thing about repentance? The thing it tells us in here, that they had sorrow, but they repented not. There was no room in their heart for repentance. No room. They didn't have time for it, surely. They had no desire for it. They didn't want it. But then when those deep, dark days come, then they want God. Quick band-aid. It tells us in Romans 12, 2. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
And you know what? When repentance is preached unto you, I, I learned this from reading this passage. When repentance is preached, you know what? Repentance is expected. When God brings a message of repentance unto you and it strikes you in your pew and it strikes you in your aisle, it strikes you in your seat, I don't care if you teach Sunday school, I don't care if you sing every song, I don't care if you play every instrument, I don't care if you teach every class, I don't care if you hear every service, but if repentance is preached and the message of repentance lands in your heart, repentance is expected from God on your behalf. He expects you to react to it. He expects you to hear it. He expects you to repent from the things that you're doing. And you know what repent means? Repent means to change your mind, to accept a new walk and walk as a new man. Not do the same things you used to do. Not live the same way you used to live. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. But what we do is we come up and we say we're sorry, God forgive me, then we go right back out and live in the world again and expect God to bless it. <laughs> if you're in our men's group or other things, I've been here 15 years probably. I say this again, and this is such a basic principle, but it is so true. Write it down in your mind so I don't have to say it a thousand times. Righteousness is always creative, but unrighteousness is always destructive. Always. God does not bless rebellion and sin. He does not. Stop asking him to. He doesn't. Don't ask God to bless you in your carnality, in your sin, in your rebellion, in your rejection. Don't ask for the favor of God when you don't want him. Because if any man be in Christ, he's new. And the love of the, if any man sins, it says the love of the Father is not in them. This aren't my, this is, a, this is written in this book. I didn't write it. But repentance is expected when it reaches your heart's door. But what's sad about it is repentance can be rejected. It can be rejected. And how many times have you done it? How many times has God sought to visit you in your pew and in your aisle or in your dark days, your down times, your dark hours? And he's come to you and he's worked with you again. He's come to you in an aisle. He's come to you in a seat. He's come to you in a pew. And he's pulled at your heartstrings door. But again, you reject him and say, I don't want you. I don't want you. Spirit of God, I don't want you. Spirit of conviction, get away. Get away. Walk away. Leave me. Go away. Stay away. I don't want you. That's what you're saying. Repentance can be rejected. And it tells us when they rejected it here, they were lost. Not my words, God's. So repentance can be rejected. But repentance expected, yet rejected, does lead unto a day of judgment. But I have good news unto you. Today is the day of salvation. Today is a day when God does love you so much that he wants to introduce you to the friend of repentance. 
He wants to introduce you to Jesus Christ himself. Who says, I know you've turned me away. I know you've rejected me. I know you've not wanted me. I know you've disobeyed me. I know you've lived carnal. I know you've lived like the world. I know all these things you've done. But today I stand with my arms open wide. And what does he say in the bottom part of that passage? Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden. Come unto you who are tired of the life you've been living. Tired of the rebellion you're within. Tired of being enmity with God. Tired of, I mean, some people walk into church and they feel like it's the worst place they want to be. That's not how it's supposed to be. Jesus is not supposed to be an affront unto you. He is not supposed to be something you don't want. He is not to be something that you reject. He wants to be your friend. And the Spirit of God today is working within this congregation. The waters are troubled. The waters are moving. The waters are troubled. And in your heart and in your mind, you know that God is talking to you. Sister Jeannie, I love you. I, I pray God blesses what you do. Brother Carl, Sister April. But I tell you what, I want them to not have to stand up anymore and say the message has gone out telling you to repent. I want them to be able to stand up and say, praise God, another one has come home. I, I, God is giving messages of warning to Susie, April, uh, uh, Jeannie, and others. He's gone out and he's pulling at your heartstrings. He's talking unto you. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a horrible thing. One of the guys in our men's group said this week, he said, sometimes I want to go up and pray, but I worry that everybody's going to wonder what I'm up there praying about, that I've done something wrong, that I've not lived right, that I've done something wrong, that I'm sinning, and I'm, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner, but I've been in here in church praising the Lord and doing this, and they're going to think, well, he's just a... I said, well, you know what? If they're worried about why you're up at the altar, they need to get up there right next to you. They need to get right next to you. Repentance is coming unto you because God offers you the friend of repentance. Come unto me. Aren't you tired? I mean, come on. Aren't you tired? You're tired of your wife asking you to go to church? You're tired of your husband asking you to go to church? You're tired of your wife asking you to just give your life unto Jesus? You're tired of, of wanting to come here for just a meal and you're hoping to enjoy yourself, but good, i got to put up with all that singing and preaching stuff first. I know we're boring and long-winded. I get it. But you know what? I had a friend tell me one time, said, the altar calls are so long. Not here, Brother Tim. <laughs> I really wasn't here. <laughs> I said, you know what? They go a whole lot shorter when you go up to pray whole lot shorter so in the end of this we know that we are in a position of privilege and the gospel message has gone out to us and yet we don't sorrow in our heart and repentance has been offered unto us so what is left unto us to do to accept that which has been offered come to the altar I can't sing it shy you can oh lamb of God I was so lost I should have died but you have brought me to your side what is the message that is going out to us privileged people? What is the message that is going out unto us today? 
Come, take, learn of me. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. The Lord has offered us and he wants us to learn the message of the yoke. A lot of us don't like that message of the yoke. I don't want someone controlling me, running me, guiding me, telling me what I have to do. But you know what I think? If we look at the yoke in a different way, I got Jesus carrying the load with me the whole way. I got him guiding me along the way. I'm the weaker vessel and he's strong and he'll keep me on the path where I need to go. He'll keep me from straying to the left to the right. When I'm yoked up with him and I know he's on the way, I'm on the way too. What did that song say? I'll go into heaven, Rich, you wrote it. Or I'll go into heaven, I'll go through the door. When you're yoked up with Jesus, life is easy. It's easier, it's blessed. Because when you live a life of righteousness, it is always creative. God wants to do and bless for you. But many of us don't like the yoke. We don't like it. We want to go on our own path. We're in that yoke and God is saying, walk this way. And we're saying, no, I want to go this way. I want to go this way. And the yoke keeps pulling us back over. Some of you with little kids, it's like those kids at King's Island. Had Emma and Savannah and Asher and all of them at Kings Island a year or two ago. Oh my goodness, that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I mean, we had a wagon. We had, I think we needed, the, you know, those ropes that you put on kids? Not ropes, those little rope things. No, not ropes, that sounds really, really bad. Those parent leashes. Thank you, sis. We needed a bunch of them. We didn't have any. Asher, I kept putting him in the the wagon, I think, well, I've got him, and I'm pulling it wrong. Next thing you know, he jumped out of the wagon again. All you got to do is stay in the wagon, kid. And little D, you know, we're on the path. Where's he? Back behind the lit up fixtures. Back behind. You don't belong back there. Get over here on the path. I was worn out. I was so overwhelmingly stressed. It's like I'm going to lose one of them. Now after a while I felt like, oh Lord, I hope I lose them all because they're wearing me out. <laughs> but sometimes aren't we the exact same way with God? He's pulling on us. He's wanting to guide us. He's wanting to, to go walk a certain way. And he turns around and says, they, they jumped out again. They ran off again. They, they've unloosed themselves from the yoke again. They're over where they don't belong. They're over where they're not supposed to be. They're over where I can't bless them because they're rejecting me and they're rebelling against me and I can't bless unrighteousness. I can't do that. They're just running from me and they're hiding from me. That's what Asher did. I'd be over there looking. Where's Asher? He's back behind the Snoopy figure. Get out from behind the Snoopy. It's not a game. Get over here. He didn't belong there. He was in the wrong place where he wasn't supposed to be. You need to learn the lesson of the yoke. Join up with Jesus. He'll make it easy. It ain't that hard. It really is not that hard. Ain't good late preaching language. I know it's not good grammar. But also we need to learn the lesson of the cross. We need to take up our cross daily and follow him. You know, so at the end of this message in these last few moments, you may be sitting there saying, man, I just came for a meal and this guy's up here yelling at me the whole time. What? Okay, okay, I get it, DJ. 
I get it, songs. I get it, Spirit of God. I, I get all these fe horrible feelings I'm feeling today. I get all this stuff. Well, God, what do you want from me? What do you want? Just tell me, what do you want? Well, the Word of God answers that question, too. It tells us in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, one of the wisest men of all time thought about all these things. Solomon, he tried to figure it out the whole way. He tried to figure out vanity of mind, vanity. He tried to philosophize and figure out. He worked those whole 12 chapters trying to figure out what God wanted from him. And finally, God closed it up in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. He says, the end of the whole matter is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God, love God, honor God, respect God, and keep what he's telling you to do. You know what to do. I don't have to tell you. You know if you're living right. You know if you're not. You know if you're lost or you're saved. No one needs to tell you. You know if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ or not. You know it. I don't need to tell you. The Spirit of God has told you, telling you, and will tell you again. But eventually he may stop. It tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not to thy own understanding, and always acknowledge him, and he shall do what? Direct your paths. You want to know how to live? Trust in the Lord. It tells us in Micah 6, 8, What does the Lord require of thee but to do justly or righteously and love mercy and walk with God? That's it. It. Micah 6 3. And I don't know who's singing tonight, and I, I, I don't like to try to organize services, and I don't like to try to plan services. I don't like doing that. That's the spirit of God's job. But Shiloh, I don't know if you can sing one of them today, one of the closing songs, that Lamb of God one, or, or uh, Come to the Altar. I, I don't like doing that. I want God to tell them, but I just, if that's okay. But a story goes out. Now you may say this is just a made-up story. You may say this is made up for drama or effect or just to try to get a result. <laughs> if I can talk you into being saved, the devil can talk you out of it in about 10 minutes. Okay? He can. If I can goad you into making a choice, it isn't going to last. But the Spirit of God is coming into your seat today and saying, yeah, he's right. I, I don't want people to laugh at me or, or point me out or, or make fun of me, but yeah, he, he, he's right. It's not that I'm right. The Spirit of God is right. And has come to you today and visited you in a special way. And he's come to the very seat with you in and says, I'm talking to you. Whether you're your first time here or your 100th time here. Because the story is told of a gentleman who was a little bit older than I am. And he was in his mid-70s. Brother Perry told this story, so I'm assuming it's true. Brother Perry told a story, Sister Jeannie, of a man who rejected the Spirit of God after it called upon him time and time again. He said, get away and leave me alone. And he would go from church to church and from place to place asking again for the Spirit of God to just once come to me again. But it never came. 
He never felt that pull. He never felt that tug. He never felt the Spirit of God pulling upon his heartstrings. He never felt the Spirit of God working with him, dealing with him, coming unto him, wooing him, loving him. He never felt it once again. Till finally at the end of his life, in a little church, oh, let me feel thy spirit once again. The Spirit of God came to him and said, just think of what we could have done together for these last 40 years, but you told me no. You told me to get away. Just think what God can do in your life if you just say yes. That family that feels divided, he can pull it back together again. That husband-wife relationship will feel strained, he can unite it once again in Jesus. That burden you feel that you feel like you're lost and you're never going to fit in and you're never going to make it and, and you're never, nothing's ever going right. He can tell you that he can make it right today. The spirit, the move, the feel that is going on right now, do not take it for granted. Do not reject what God is doing in your life. Whether you're 55 years old, 75 years old, or 15, I, it doesn't matter. Because the Spirit of God deals. He comes. He woos. You may tell Papa, stop talking to me about Jesus. You may tell your friend, don't talk to me anymore about that Jesus. You may tell Grandma, I don't want to hear it anymore. You may tell your wife, just shut up. Stop. I get it. And God will say, okay, I got it. You're on your own. Enter ye into the place prepared for the devil and his angels. Ichabod, the glorious departed. You don't want me. Brother Mark, one of the first things you said to me when I came to this church, and it's wise wisdom, and I'm going to steal it. And I'm not going to talk a lot. Sister Charlotte's going to sing. The Spirit of God is a gentleman. God's not going to force himself upon you if you don't want him. He's not going to force himself upon you if you don't want him. But if he's pulling at your heartstrings today, if he's talking unto you, you don't have to be crying or frightened. You, there has to be none of if God is pulling and working on you today and telling you today that you need to repent and you have sorrow within your heart and you want to accept Jesus, today can be your super Sunday and you can stand up at an altar prayer and what are they going to do, Sister Vicki? They're going to yell, Woo! You said who day. We'll say that other one, all right? They're going to shout for joy because the angels have opened up and said, Today, thy one who was lost has now been found. My son who is lost has now come home. The prodigal has come home. The prodigal has come home. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Today is the day. Shall we stand, Sister Shy? Sing as you feel led. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is called.
not the only one. God's speaking to you today.
that's been living a life that you know you ain't supposed to be living. The Lord is moving today. The Lord is moving. Come on up. Come on up before it's too late. Make it a super Sunday for you. Come on. and fuss and 
be all honoring and she ain't doing that no more you know why Jesus is in the house one more verse one more opportunity for you to say yes but as I said repentance offered can also be rejected you say I don't want to make a decision today you already are